Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We've got Dr. Joe Stoll. He served as the president of Cornerstone University from 2008 to 2021. And he was the president, actually, of Moody Bible Institute before that. He's an internationally recognized conference speaker. He's a pastor and an author. And his life is just marked by a deep love for Jesus, which is reflected in his desire to to value people regardless of gender, race, or class. And we have the privilege of having him here in studio with us. Dr. Stoll, at one time you were the president of Moody Bible Institute. And now you're back. He's back. What's been the journey from being president of Moody to all these years later coming back around to Moody? Yeah, well, I retired from Christian higher ed uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, Actually, after Moody, I went back into the pastorate Mm. for three years. And then Cornerstone University right here in West Michigan, you know, it was kind of a surprise thing, the Lord, and it was so clear I was supposed to get back into Christian higher ed and came over here to West Michigan. And then after I retired, I didn't retire from the kingdom. Yeah, right. So Marty and I were much in prayer, actually, about, Lord, what would you have us to do for you? I didn't want to be the head cowboy at any more rodeos, but, <laughs> you know, maybe he would have something we could do. And nothing emerged. And then a year and a half after we were done at Cornerstone, Mark Job, the new, new then president of, of Moody, called and said, hey, Joe, he said, we're getting ready to launch this massive new vision. And I was just thinking, maybe maybe you could come alongside and help with a little advice and counsel. You've done this for so many years, yeah. you know, in your wisdom, and just help us move this vision forward. And I've got to tell you guys, it was like, the perfect answer to prayer. Mm. You know, I wanted to say yes right away, but I know to sound really spiritual, I would say, well, we'll pray about this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we did pray about it. Yeah. And yeah. it was perfect. It was perfect in so many ways. Uh, it was part-time, so Marty and I could still have some space. We could stay in Grand Rapids where we have two kids and mm-hmm. grandkids. And then especially being able to work with Mark Job. I've known Mark for years. And when he was appointed president, it was uh, such a happy day for me. Mm. You know, he's a man who is committed to the word of God. He has a lot of energy and passion for the gospel. Yep. In fact, I think I think he's more like D.L. Moody than any of us presidents ever wow. were. You know, he's kind of a street guy in a sense. Yep. You know, he came as graduated from Moody, planted a church, Hispanic church, because he was an MK from Spain planted a Hispanic church, and then out of that Hispanic church, they've planted 27 other Hispanic churches in Chicago. So that talks about his passion for the gospel and the local church. Moody's not going to drift under his leadership. And I've known him for years. Hmm. You know, the thought of coming on his team was wonderful. So all of that to say, I'm so thankful to the Lord to be back in Moody World again, and especially to be on Mark Job's team. So what do you do on the team? Do you uh, take out Mark's enemies or what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has many enemies. I'd do it for him if he wanted me to. <laughs> but I do whatever Mark wants me to do. You know, we talk about things at Moody, and if he needs a little, like, someone to talk to about it, maybe a little counsel, you mm-hmm. know, I'm there for him. I speak for him. I represent Moody when I go places and speak places. So it's kind of like... Whatever. I'm like his bench coach, you know, like, <laughs> whatever you want me to do, here I am. 
Speaking of going places and speaking at different places, you're going to be speaking at Founders Week next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. I haven't done that. When I was president, I always, the president always has to speak. So it was a job assignment, yeah. right? So I've spent a long time since I've been back for Founders Week, Shauna. So I'm really, really excited. For yeah. That. Yeah. Can can we get it? Like, I mean, no spoiler sneak. alert here, but yeah, can we get a sneak peek at what you're going to talk peek. about? Well, the theme is rekindling our calling. What is our calling? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of the aspects to our calling for sure. But I think the one of the key aspects of our calling is 1 Corinthians 10.31, where Paul wrote, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And consistently throughout Scripture, God called Israel, even Christ, and us to live for the glory of God. It's a key aspect of our calling. Mm-hmm. So the head scratcher is like, what does it mean to glorify God? Mm-hmm. You know, and my guess is while we know the verse pretty well, a lot of us would have trouble writing that out. Like, what is, what does that mean? So we're going to unwrap that. And I'm uh, looking forward to that. Oh, that's lot. a good teaser right yeah. there. <laughs> want more. Well, <laughs> what my mind goes to is how easy it is for me to want to glorify myself. Dude, you must be read my notes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's right, Perry. That is the yeah. tension, isn't it? Yeah. And even if you go back to the Garden of Eden, we've been created in the image of God, which gives us the capacity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Then Satan enters. And lures Eve really to glorify herself because he says, you could be wise, you know, and this food is a delight for you. And so that was the flip right there, right? And then all the things, guilt, shame, anxiety, violence, blame, all the horrible things entered as soon as she began to live to glorify herself. So I'm not, you got me preach my sermon. Come on, that's good stuff. No, it is. It's a con, I mean, living for Jesus is a constant dethroning of myself. That's it. That's really good. I might use that. You can use that. I might use that line. (laughs) (laughs) What's one thing in this season of your life that the Lord's just teaching, pressing into your heart? I think one thing the Lord's pressing into my heart is how fast life goes. I Mm -hmm. guess, you know, old people always talk about how fast life goes. And looking back in the rearview mirror, how significant it is to be deep with Jesus and to live for Christ. I think you feel the emptiness of life a lot more Mm. in this season. You know, your life is always about been there, done that. You know, and if all your joy has been in the stuff of this world, it's a pretty lonely time. But then the opportunity to remind yourself, as C.S. Lewis in The Tales of Narnia, the lion says to Jill, who is very thirsty, and but she doesn't want to go near the lion, right? So she says, I think I'll go drink from another stream. <laughs> and the lion says, there are no other streams. Yeah. Christ is the only source of satisfaction because all the other streams are empty and dead-end streams, right? So I think that's one thing. I spent a lot of time thinking about that, you know, like there are no other streams, mm-hmm. you know. And in these, this season of my life, to pour into Christ and to pour into the Lord and drink from His well and find my satisfaction there. Mm. Is there a boldness that comes with that understanding, an urgency to want other people to, to get it? No, there is a boldness. And I think there's a boldness in the darkness of these days. These days are so dark, Shauna, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And I think it can be very intimidating 
to us. But to remember, you know, that at the end of the day, not only is he the only stream for me, he's the only stream for this world. Right. And I've read the whole book, right? I read the last chapter, he wins, right? So I think about how many Christians are despairing and hopeless and angry about our world. We need an attitude check mm. big time. You know, like like we have the king of kings and we are citizens of a victorious kingdom that will soon come to consummation with the return of Christ. And so I love that message. In this season of my life, in the darkness of this world, that's a huge thing in my heart. Like, mm. you know, to call Christians, those attitudes are, are ashamed to Christ. I mean, if we're hopeless yeah. and we're despairing, then that's graffiti on the face of Christ in our world, isn't it? You know, so to call Christians, to, we're on the victory side. That's right. We're not intimidated. We've done so much of, if we don't have the right guy in office, then... No, exactly. Oh, Thank you, Perry. It. If we can just elect the right president, then the kingdom will come. Yeah. Like, the kingdom is not coming by electing. The, and then it becomes so divisive, doesn't it, in the church? The church is so divided over politics. And during it was such an embarrassment during COVID. The vaxxers and the non-vaxxers made it all spiritual and divided. I was whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, Jesus is our come together point. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of messages that are preachable today to the body of Christ. Like, let's get back together. We're one in him. Yeah. Let's march arm in arm against the gates of hell. And let's remember that we're on the victory side. I mean, I'm glad to be a citizen of America as dark as it is. Sure. But I'm really a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's my identity. That's where I belong. And I know that my king has won the victory. I think when we shake our fists, when we get frustrated at each other and at what and at God and what's mm-hmm. happening in the world, it's because the script isn't going the way we wanted it to, which is back to the whole dethroning of myself. I'm yeah. not God. But like in moments that we're in right now, like with what we're seeing happen in Israel, right? Like mm-hmm. there can be a, you know, man, I just, the evil is overwhelming and, mm-hmm. and I don't understand what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. How do we flip the script to being frustrated at what's happening in the world to... God, what are you doing and how can I be a part of it? I think when we look at Israel and really, Sean, isn't it like, can we believe how evil people can be? Yeah. You know, what's happening over there? You know, we all know the details, right? But I think we shouldn't be surprised because Jesus said of the Pharisees, you're of your father, Satan, who is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Death and murder is right in his camp. He rejoices with that kind of, hell is so happy today with everything that's happening over there. But it is the emergence of the kingdom of Satan. That's what we're really watching, you know, the kingdom of Satan bearing its full fruit before our very eyes. And so when we see that, then we need to remember that we belong to the kingdom of his son, which will have ultimate victory, so we can't be despairing about this stuff. And I also think that it's also a sign that we are moving toward the end times. I mean, I'm not a date setter, mm-hmm. you know, but we are moving toward the end times. And First John 3 says that he who has this hope in the return of Christ will purify himself. So maybe we need to start getting our own lives ready for the return of Christ. You know, like we're the bride, he's the bridegroom. We better get dressed up, ready for the big day right. and get rid of the junk in our lives and start purifying ourselves and take the gospel of Jesus Christ that liberates people from the kingdom of Satan. 
and get busy about doing that. Yeah. And But we shouldn't be surprised about how bad it's getting over there. I mean, we're just seeing the kingdom of Satan in its mm -hmm. full form. And thankfully, it's not a victorious kingdom. I've never heard your faith story. My faith story? Yeah, like how you came oh, it's to... interesting. So it's kind of a second coming faith story. So my dad was a pastor. That means I've been to church so many times in my life. I have so many church credits. I don't have to go to church ever again <laughs> in my whole life. <laughs> but the Sunday after New Year's Day, mm -hmm. every Sunday night, back when we had Sunday night services, my dad would preach a sermon that this may be the year that Jesus mm -hmm. returns. Now, remember, I was six years old, and I remember listening to that sermon when I was six and thinking, whoa, you know, if Jesus does come back, I'm not going. Mm. You know? And my whole family, well, I wasn't sure about my sisters, if they were <laughs> going or not. <laughs> but I knew my mom and dad were. And I remember going home after church to, into the parsonage, and I said to my mom, you know, you know I want to be sure that I'm ready. Mm -hmm. She said, well, when your dad comes home, and when my dad came home, he took me over on the couch, opened up the Bible. He didn't have to convince me about sins because he had already seen all the sins in my life, right, as a little kid. And that night I accepted Christ as my mm -hmm. Savior. And so it was really in the context of wanting to go with Christ when he came back. Yeah. And so I've always, the second coming of Christ has always held a special place yeah. in my life. And so I knew that was the day. Was there ever a time when you really doubted, you know, just wondering to yourself, I wonder if any of this is really true? You know, of course, I, I think those doubts are, you know, almost inevitable for someone who's walking the faith journey. And, I, you know, that's all the part that Satan loves to create doubt. That's what he did with Eve. He made her doubt the goodness of right. God. You know, like, he really, he's not good. He's lied to you. He knows. And so I think we all wrestle with those things. But I always go back to the fact, because, I, you know, can you really believe in, you know, that there's an angelic host, that Christ is coming back again? I mean, it's been a long time, right? And... But I always go back to, with God, all things are possible. When I start doubting the impossibilities in my faith, so wait a minute, you know, with God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. And I've got this finite little mind. God's mind is infinite, right? I think I'm taking my finite little mind and judging the f infinite mind of God. And I also go back to Jesus says, you have to have the faith of a little child. Mm-hmm. And I think about how little children are ready to believe, right? Those are the ways that, that I manage the doubts that come. With God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Can I be like a child mm -hmm. in my faith and believe, okay, he said it, I believe it, and that settles it kind of a thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. not, not that I jump into, you know, the blind sphere of just close my eyes and jump. Yeah, no, that's more than that. And then I get back into the word. And so I think we shouldn't be afraid of doubting because doubting at the end of the day, if we manage it correctly, drives us closer to him. Hey, we've got Kyle Roberts with us. He's an Emmy Award winning director and his brand new film, His Baby, 
launches tonight at 7 here in West Michigan. It's called What Rhymes with Reason. It's about six teenagers, and it just opens up the conversation about mental health. And we're excited about this film, Kyle. And how can we as, as parents, as adults, how do we bring up the conversation about mental health in a way that just is winsome and draws our kids into the conversation? Well, I have a question for you guys. I don't want to, I don't want to like throw this around too much, but uh, what do you guys think teenagers need today, you know, more than ever? Hmm. Go ahead. I think teenagers need our attention. And mm. what I mean by that is just our availability. Like with my own kids, my kids are all grown up now. I don't have teenagers anymore. They're all adults and off doing their thing. But it, during the teenage years, I felt like it was just simply being present with them created opportunities. Like if I were asking questions, what'd you do? How did it go? What about so-and-so? Who was there? They're like, mom, stop asking the questions. But if I'm just there in the kitchen making dinner, they just tell you their stories. And so I think there's something about, I don't know, I think they need us to just be present with them and to offer them their attention, Yeah, our attention. And I think that we as adults, we need to open up in an appropriate way. We need to open up about our struggles. Mm. They need to know that we struggle as well. That's good. And there was a time where my kids and my bride, we were meeting up for a time of, you know, just reading the word and just praying for each other. And I said, you know what? I'm just really, I'm feeling really depressed right now. Would you guys pray mm. for me? And it was a bit awkward, but I'm glad I brought it up. And I've, I've tried to be vulnerable with my kids. And I think that's huge because when I was a teenager, I never saw an adult struggle. Mm. I didn't, I didn't think that you were supposed to struggle because no one ever shared their struggles. And so here I was in all of my junk and all of my pain and all of my shame thinking I've got to get over this because this isn't what life should be. What about you? Yeah, I love I love both of those, uh, uh, being present and vulnerability, and they go hand in hand, right, uh, too. Uh, and I feel like, you know, as we know, teenagers put up walls uh, all the time anyway, but that's what we're doing as adults. We're putting up a wall I mean, in a different way, but if we're not being real and not being vulnerable, that's, that's kind of putting up a shield and a wall mm-hmm. uh, as well. And obviously, we need to kind of figure out what we want to share and what we don't want to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but just being real, real and honest. I've, so I feel like teenagers need in one word real, mm-hmm. uh, today more than ever. I feel like they see so much, uh, kind of hypocrisy, fake, but even on TikTok stuff like that, you know, like it's just so much just <laughs> garbage and fake. And, you know, some of it's so fun, but it's just not real. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think it's hard in a digital age where their whole life is now consumed by this. Yeah. It's hard for them to discern um, what mm-hmm. is real and what is not. And so when they, fe- when they see something that is real and is honest, they get it, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 they gravitate it. towards it. Yeah. Yeah. They want it um, uh, more than ever. And yeah. so that's, that's something we set out to do in this film is make something that's real and honest and for parents take their kids and watch together and be vulnerable with them and ask these questions. So I love that those, those answers were perfect because that's exactly what we set to do uh, for this film and that was the need and the calling uh, for our team. Today is 
World Mental Health Day, and this yes. film is going to open up conversations and and deal with um, with mental health, which all of us are on the spectrum. As some, you know, to some degree, we all deal with this. But I understand that you yeah. have a story with mental wellness as well. What What's your story, Kyle? Yeah, so my whys for this film is kind of threefold. One we talked about earlier, but it's, you know, being a young life leader uh, for eight years and really seeing anxiety, depression, um, thoughts of suicide, their friends taking their life and walking through that with them, you know, was heartbreaking. Um, that was a huge why, why we have to make something um, that, that addresses this stuff, but is also family friendly and has hope. Um, that also my sister uh, was diagnosed BPD, uh, bipolar, uh, but it wasn't until we were in our thirties. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, there's a very real uh, brother sister relationship in this film. And it's kind of, kind mm -hmm. of uh, grounded in that. Um, and growing up, I kind of had to walk around eggshells uh, around her. Uh, Cause I didn't know what she was going to blow up. And we just didn't know what, what I thought that was normal, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And then when we got that diagnosis, uh, obviously not only was that so revealing and telling for her and us and our family, uh, but also for me, it was it was a reality realization that this was a chemical imbalance mm -hmm. in her brain. It was nothing that she did wrong. So I feel mm -hmm. like there was a lot of healing uh, there in our family. And I've already forgiven her for a bunch of things, but there was there was just a whole other level of understanding mm -hmm. uh, and, and us doing a lot more research around mental health uh, mm -hmm. as well. And then three, for me, uh, I've also had a couple moments in my life where I had some suicidal uh, ideation, and both of them were um, situational, and they were related to my identity and purpose uh, as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. um, so the one of them, if I share, shall share a quick story, yeah, yeah I do. but it was it, it sounds uh, even dumb to even say it now, but it was very real in the moment, and that's where I feel like Satan you know, plays tricks on your mind yep. and, and what's going on and, and tries to set up shop there. But it was, it was for our first films called post human project, which is a teen superhero movie. And we won our local hometown festival and did the whole thing. And the next screening was in Miami. Uh, it was on 4th of July at night. Uh, and the theater mm. was about 80% full. So it was, it was really packed uh, and people just started leaving, you know, like, and there was only four of us at the end of the movie. Oh my gosh. But that was, that was gut wrenching as a creative working on something for five years. In all reality, they were going to see fireworks because yeah. it was Fourth of July night, so everybody was leaving. But I did not experience anything like that yet. I was 29 years old. You know, this is my first first feature, wow. and I just never never went through you know something like that yet. Something that intense after that long of working on it. So after that, uh, I was, uh, so it was, a, it was a comic con in Miami, uh, and I was walking back to this bus to take me back to the hotel. Uh, and there, there was a bridge and I was looking over it and I was about to jump. Like mm. I was, I was very, very close mm. and I did it. And I had a one year old at home. Um, and we, um, you know, because of my faith and, and love for my wife and daughter, I mean, I just, I just did it. And then even the next day, I mean, I, it, 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 it all washed away and it felt so weird even thinking about it, but it's because I'd never experienced anything yeah. like that. And to not root, the biggest thing I learned from it is don't, not to root my identity in what I'm doing, but through Jesus. And that's, yeah. that's what I've done since then. So, yeah. 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 That's what, that's what I'm wondering is did that experience help you realize, oh, my identity is in my filmmaking. It's not yes. where it should be. Talk about that. 
Yeah, it absolutely did. And it's not only affected, you know, me personally, but all of our projects, you know, because I'm kind of the voice of, you know, a lot of this stuff as the director and have to answer all these questions one through five million for, for this project, yeah. uh, you know, from all of our crew and everything else. But I feel like that helped root what we're doing, uh, that we understand the assignment, <laughs> so to say, of earning the right to be heard, you know, from from a generation yeah. and putting putting that as, as this focus um, versus, Kyle Roberts has a story or, you know, anything that we can get lost. I think yeah. uh, even in a business, very business world in um, our value and it's, it's not, God doesn't care about any of that. Mm. He cares. He cares that we're his children mm. yeah. and, and that's it. It's none of the, the Emmys is none of those things. Uh, so we're his children. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.